This is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It's good to have you with us. Merry Christmas. Hope you're having a wonderful morning with family and friends um, and with the Lord especially. So just wishing you the happiest of days. Well, I have, I do have some disturbing news. Um, when I got home from church last night, and then later in the evening when I had to get up in the middle of the night, Fiona the mouse was stirring. She She's nested down right now, but in the middle of the night, she was running on her wheel. So don't know what to tell you, but the mouse was stirring last night. This is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on Twitter, Facebook, and Rumble. And then the podcast is available for download wherever you find fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. You can head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. Well, this is a special Christmas Day edition of Squirrel Chatter. We're going to do some scripture reading. We're going to have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. And then I've got a Christmas Monday meandering for us. Um, and uh, just a, and, and a program note, and I'll mention this again at the end, I have decided to take the rest of the year off. So this will be the only squirrel chatter this week. <laughs> Next Monday, we will resume with our normal slate of squirrel chatters on New Year's Day. As we leap into the new year, and uh, but I'm going to take the rest of the week off. I'm still, remember I wasn't here Thursday or Friday because my voice, um, I sang Oh Holy Night last night at uh, the Christmas Eve program, and I, I had a few cracks and pops. The voice was not quite up to that, but I made it through, but by the end of the evening, my voice was gone, and you can probably hear the rattle in it now. Um, so I'm going to take the rest of the year off. <laughs> I'm going to rest up my voice and uh, try to get everything back where it should be. Um, the The cough is getting better, but the voice hasn't recovered yet. You like my Christmas mug? Oh, come let us adore him. And it's big. That's a Christmas morning mug. I tell you, that's twice the size of my normal big mugs. <laughs> I love it. A little Montana Coffee Trader Trailblazer blend this morning. All right. Well, let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. 
We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins, and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to step away from our... uh, our uh, scripture reading schedule. We will resume with, uh, I believe, Genesis 14 on the first, and we will continue to work our way through the entire Bible, which is going to take three years plus to do it. Um, We're not in any hurry. We're just going to read scripture and uh, hopefully you know, well, we know that God's word will not return to him void. It will accomplish his purposes. And so we ask for his purposes to be accomplished in us. But today we're going to step away from our normal Bible, Bible reading schedule. Excuse me just a moment. Trying to keep the voice going. (laughs) Uh, We're going to step away from our normal Bible reading schedule and uh, turn to the classic, um, Christmas passages from Matthew 1 and Luke 2, and that will be our scripture reading for today. So Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the one who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place in order that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, would be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph got up from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And then Luke 2 Verses 1 through 20. Now it happened in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus 
for a census to be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quinarius was governor of Syria. And everyone was going to be registered for the census, each to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was betrothed to him, and was with child. Now it happened that while they were there, the days were fulfilled for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the guest room. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And it happened that when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it marveled at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary was treasuring all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as was told to them. Amen. All right, well, what I want to do on this special Christmas Monday meanderings is just address some of our Christmas misconceptions. And uh, these are some common beliefs, things that are told about Christmas that have become commonly accepted that aren't necessarily true. The first one is, big one this time of year, you hear it all over the place. Christmas replaced a pagan holiday. The Christians came along and took over these pagan holidays and made them, quote-unquote, Christian observances. I did see a great meme about this the other day. So it was an um, obvious atheist, pagan, secularist, complaining that Christians were appropriating pagan holidays. And then the the opposite frame is a the, the, the supposed Christian person. There was actually somebody in like a bishop's mitre or something. But he said, he said you know, shut up now or we're going to take over other holidays. And the, the guy, the atheist keeps talking, and then the Christian replies with, that's it, you just lost Shark Week. <laughs> well, you can't do that. And he says, yes, Shark Week is now a week-long Christian festival. So, 
but that is a common idea that Christmas replaced a pagan holiday. Now it is December 25th is just a couple of days after, you know, the winter solstice. But as I said, you know, there are only 12 months in the year. Any month of the year is going to have something pagan associated with it. It, it just, that's, you know, I mean, and, and the solstice is just an astronomical event. It's not even a pagan thing. It's just the fact that that is the day, the, the longest night of the year, and the days start getting longer after that. It has to do with the, the orbit of the Earth and the axial tilt. <laughs> you know, it's not a pagan thing. It wasn't invented by pagans. It was invented by God who set the planets into motion. So you've got a winter solstice, you've got a summer solstice, you've got a spring and fall equinox. That's four, you know, four times out of the year that there's a major astronomical event. So then every month you have a full moon and a new moon. And so there's going to be something, you know, astronomical every month. There's going to be some sort of pagan thing every month. Just, I mean, there's a lot of pagans out there and they do stuff year round. But the, the big thing that everybody points to is there was a Roman pagan sun worship um, event that took place on December 25th. It's called Sol Evictus. Sol, solar, it's the, our sun. Sol Evictus, the unconquered sun. Well, and it was December 25th. And so, see, the Christians took over this Roman festival. There's a problem with that. <laughs> the Roman festival of Sol Evictus wasn't established until 274 A.D. A.D. Anno Domini, the year of our Lord, <laughs> meaning Christ. Um, 274 A.D. is a few years after the first Christmas. Just saying. So a, a third century Roman festival is not what the first century you know, Christmas replaced. The, the celebration of Christmas was a long-established fact before Sol Evictus was a festival. I'm going to link in the show notes a great video from uh, Lutheran Satire. If you've not watched it before, I encourage you to go watch it. It's called Horace Runs Christmas. And, and this is something you need to see. It will give you a good belly laugh, at, as well as informing you of some truth. Um, so, but... So we don't have Christmas replacing a pagan festival. The date of December 25th was arrived at by a weird belief that important people die on the day they were conceived. We know Jesus died on Passover. 
And so everybody figured out that nine months after Passover is December 25th. And so that's how the date was established. Now, there's no warrant for that idea that important people die on the same day they're conceived. That itself is a superstition. But that's how the date was arrived at. Now, we do, there's good indication based upon John the Baptist's father and when he was serving in the temple, which is shortly before his wife Elizabeth conceived John the Baptist, who was six months, who had been conceived for six months before Mary got pregnant with Jesus. So we have that. We know what course of priest John the Baptist's father served in. Each course of priest, there were 24 of them, each course of priest only served two weeks out of the year. He was in the temple serving. So we know roughly when that was, and you add the six months to that, and then you add the nine months for Mary's pregnancy, and it comes out to midwinter. So we're the right time of year, but we don't know the 25th. The Bible doesn't tell us Jesus' birthday. So we don't know for sure. But the 25th has been the established date of Christmas for centuries. And however it was arrived at, it is the right time of year. It's probably not the right day. But it could be, you know, has a 1 in 365 chance, uh, much better odds than winning the lottery. And actually, the, the odds are better than that because we know it's the right time of year. So figure, you know, 30 days of either side of today is probably the right day. Um, and we'll just leave it at that. We're not going to be able to pin it down. You know, the, the, the ancient world, as good a, Rome, a record keepers as Rome was, they didn't keep that kind of record. So it's not like you can go down to the courthouse and pull Jesus's birth certificate. We don't know. That that's that's a modern idea. But Christmas didn't appropriate a pagan festival. Another common misconception is that Jesus was born in a stable. Um you, you, that that little wooden shed depicted in both most nativity scenes little open fronted shed with a rickety little wooden manger and and the animals all about and and here is this little family it's usually an outbuilding you know on the edge of a pasture or something it's more like a cow shed than a stable but that's not accurate see a common feature in Israelite houses of the period was mangers, usually of stone masonry, on the ground floor of the house. Because the livestock, which was very valuable, (laughs) the livestock was brought into the house at night. On the main level, which was the, the living area, during the day, the animals would be driven out. This was where, you know, the the day took place. 
although most stuff happened outside. Um, but this was the the main level of the house where the hearth was and all of that was also where the manger was because the animals would be brought in at night. And so one end of the room or the other would have a stone manger because animals were valuable. It was a security thing. Also provided warmth. But the family was upstairs. The sleeping quarters were upstairs. Um, and so the word that the King James translators translated as inn in Luke 2, when it says there was no room for them in the inn, you notice when I was reading that passage from the Legacy Standard Bible, it said there was no room for them in the guest room. That's the word. It's kataluma. This is the same word that Luke, of course, wrote Luke 2, uses, um, it's the same word that's used of the upper room where Jesus had um, the Last Supper with his disciples. That guest room, this was a, a multi-purpose room in a home that was used for guests. Now remember, everybody is in town for the census. And it's their family's hometown. So everybody is staying with family. All, everybody's in town. Aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, everybody's in town. So all of the houses are packed to overflowing with out-of-town relatives who are there for the census. We know that uh, Luke 2.3 says everyone was going to be registered for the census, each to his own city, his family's hometown. So everybody had come to town for the festival. Now, in Luke 10, eight chapters later, Luke records the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in that parable, a, uh, a different Greek word is used, pandakion. This is a public lodging. This is the first century version of a Motel 6, not the Cataluma of Luke 2. So in is not a great translation. Now, what this means is, the most maligned figure at Christmas time, the heartless innkeeper with his no vacancy sign, isn't in the Bible. <laughs> um, so relax. <laughs> they weren't being turned out by some heartless innkeeper, you know, because they failed to make reservations or whatever. It, it's not that situation. This was a family dwelling. The guest room was full. So they were staying, you know, on the main floor. And because they were on the main floor, the manger made a perfect crib. But it was more like, most likely masonry, not the rickety little wooden X thing that we, that we picture. Um, we don't know what animals, if any, were there because of 
the overflowing city, they may have they may have tied the animals up outside because they needed the room for guests. Um, or Mary and Joseph could have been sharing it with animals. We don't know. But it wasn't a barn. It wasn't some outbuilding, you know, or some little rickety shed on the edge of a field somewhere. It was, you know, a house. And they were using the stone manger as a crib because it was convenient. It was filled with hay. It worked perfectly fine. So, but we don't know what if any animals were there. That's not told. But we do know the wise men were probably not there. We know the shepherds came. We read that. Angel appeared. They were right outside of town. They got there. They saw the babe wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And and they shared what the angels had said. But the wise men probably weren't there. We don't know how many there were. We always talk about, you know, three wise men. They weren't kings. So, you know, we three kings of Orient are. Um, great song. Not theologically accurate. These were magi. These were wise men. This was the same group of Babylonian astronomers that Daniel was put over as as head of their order after he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream. So this is the 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 wise men, these are the magi. And they were probably influenced by Daniel, even though this was a couple hundred years later. They were influenced by Daniel to there was a, to, 500 years later, five, 600 years later. Um, they were influenced by Daniel to, they were looking for the birth of the Savior because Daniel had predicted it. Um, and we don't know how many there were. Scripture doesn't give us a number. They brought three gifts gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, but it doesn't follow that there were only three wise men. There were at least two because the plural is used. It was probably more than two. Could have been three. Could have been 30. We don't know. Um, but what we can surmise is they, they probably showed up a year or so after Jesus' birth. Which would make sense, because if they got word, um, and I don't believe the star that they followed was an astronomical star. I think it was an angel. I think they had an angelic visitation, and they followed the angel. There, there are many places in the scripture where angels are referred to as stars. Um, so, you know... And, and an angel, you know, in Luke 2, you know, the angels appeared and they were shining with the glory of the Lord. So this angel, you know, the, the, the star in the Christmas narrative does things that just a star in the sky doesn't do. A star in the sky rises and sets and it follows a set path across the sky. This star moved and came to rest 
right over the house where Jesus was, leading them there. So um, it was a miraculous event. I think it was an angel um, who told them what was going on and then led them there, even though we're not given those details. But we do know that that Herod ordered the death of male children age two and younger. And, and because he asked them, you know, when the star appeared and, and, you know, everything. So I'm thinking it was a year or more after Jesus's birth and Herod probably bumped it up another year and ordered the, the death of all the male children age two and younger, you know, which would, you know, I don't know if that was up to age three, you know, two years and 364 days old. I don't know. You know, um, but it could have been, you know, everybody before their second birthday. We don't know. It was it was a sad, vicious, brutal act that he ordered out of fear and lust for power. But we're not given a huge amount of detail. But from that, I think we can we can presume that. It was at a later time. Um, so probably a you know one or two-year-old Jesus, not the baby in the manger. So again, your nativity scene is wrong. <laughs> you got the wise men with their gifts standing next to the shepherds at this rickety little cow shed next to a field. Next, hark the herald angels sing. We do not know if angelic beings sing. They might, but the scriptures never record angels singing. People sing, but there's no mention of angels singing. Well, wait a minute. What about, we just read, you know, Luke 2, the, the angels to the shepherds. Well, Luke 2.13 says, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men with whom he is pleased. They're saying, they're not singing. But wait, aren't they constantly singing holy, holy, holy around the throne of God in heaven? Well, let's look at that. Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then in Revelation 4, verse 8, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. 
no mention of angels singing anywhere in the scripture. Are they able to sing? I don't know. We're not told. It could be that singing is a unique human form of expression. It could be angels can sing. We don't know. But there you go. So, hark the herald angels say, Christ the Lord is born this day. All right. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for Christmas Day. Almighty God, you have given your only begotten Son to take our nature upon him and to be born this day of a pure virgin. Grant that we who have been born again and made your children by adoption and grace, may daily be renewed by your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the same Spirit be honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. All right, folks, that is where I am going to stop today, as my voice has given up finally. As I said earlier, I'm going to take the rest of the week off, I am going to speak as little as possible, drinking lots of tea and, and doing all sorts of nice things for my throat to, to uh, help me recover from this uh, horrible malady which has afflicted me. Um, it's, it's, uh, it hasn't acted like an infection. It, this is allergies. Um, I'm not in pain. <laughs> I know it sounds horrible, but I am not in pain. I have just lost my voice. It was coming back, and then I sang O Holy Night last night. And I think my, my voice is saying, we're going to take some more time off now. So we're going to take some more time off now. So I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Mrs. Squirrel and I both wish you a very Merry, Merry Christmas. And thank you for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you again in the new year. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. See you again in 2024. Take care. God bless. And Merry Christmas. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.